Hey, it's Joey with Dismantle Podcast. Before we kick off this episode, we want to tell you about Patreon. Patreon is an online community where listeners and creators can connect, but it's more than just connection, it's community. With any monthly support, you can access things like upcoming guests, exclusive episodes, even behind-the-scenes content you won't find anywhere else. Podcasters aren't in it for the money, but to continue to get guests, record episodes, time to edit, and posting, all of that requires energy and funds. So if you like what you're hearing or you've shared any episodes with friends, consider becoming a patron of any amount by visiting patreon.com slash dismantlepod. Getting people together, be, I get it. I mean, getting people together is an important thing. What you decide to come back and talk about is the next thing. Now, it may be for some people, they're, them coming back together may be predicated on what it is you're gonna talk about. Welcome to The Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Welcome to Dismantle Podcast, a place for community, not converts. I'm your host, Joey. On this show, we attempt to dismantle an issue that poses as problematic for the church by having a discussion with a guest who has insight or experience with the subject. Now, we're not always going to agree, and that's okay, but we're not going to argue because our goal is to build bridges and not barriers. Our guest today is Walter Slade Jr. Walter is an executive consultant with numerous years of experience helping coach businesses and leaders. He joins the show today to discuss how we respond to issues, what it looks like when we do, and how to truly be the Good Samaritan. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Walter, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Joey, and thank you for having me. I've heard great things about Dismantle, and I'm just loving being able to kind of add my voice to the dialogue. So thank you for the for the inclusion. Oh, for sure. I've said this to you off mic. I'll say it on mic that you are one person that I've always wanted to get on and we just needed to find the right conversation. So I've been blessed to have you in my life for the last, uh, I don't know, almost 10 years now. Mm. It's uh, it's crazy looking back to see how uh, how far we've come. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, yes. And and we continue to find joy in the journey. Indeed we do. And and that being the case, Walter, give us a little bit about who you are, where you're located, and some of the work that you do. I'm located in Bridgewater, New Jersey, I would say, for the last 20 years. You know, originally grew up in Newark, New Jersey, so I really am a Jerseyite, if, if, if you will. Um, I, I, I currently, current work I do in terms of in the, of someone, I, say, I would say the secular well, if you will, you know, is that I am an executive executive coach, leadership coach, and human resources consultant, um, doing coaching, if you will, to mostly to, you know, leaders who manage others in businesses, whether large, whether small businesses, and helping them to be their best and do their best work as they engage in this world. Um, I also work with others who are not, you know, um, in the, the business capacity, because from my perspective, everybody is a leader, and the first person you lead is yourself. So that's kind of in that space. In the church world, if you will. You know, I'm, I'm a member of Stonecrest Church. I'm one of the elders there. Um, and I'm also um, do work in a coaching capacity and in some organizational work capacity for the, 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 the Christian Missionary Alliance, which my church is a part of, you know, as part of their district committee or called Dexcom. So I get a chance to also engage in that space and also do coaching work for the district with the senior leader of that team and other leaders as well. So I'm blessed to be able to lend my voice in those various spaces. And it's been a wonderful, continuous learning journey. You're a busy guy. Well, well, <laughs> and let me let, let me also add, I should say some more. So Bridgewater, New Jersey, married, 
I have uh, four children and six grandchildren. So I should add that perspective in there as well, because that also gives context to who I am. That's fantastic. Well, Walter, thank you so much for sharing that. And given your expertise and some of the work that you do, it's a super practical conversation we're about to have. Uh, and that's centered around this idea of application. You know, how does the church engage in culture around us? So we're sort of starting from the premise that we all understand there are issues. We all understand that there are things that the church can do better. We look at our news feed, we look at our culture, and we recognize that there are areas of improvement. And yet sometimes the church sort of is stymied a bit to say, well, how do we then approach this? How do we then engage with this? And so for starters, let's just paint the scenario. Uh, church leaders are seeing and feeling all these different types of emotions, uh, what is the terrain that we're trying to navigate? You know, let's paint the picture of what we're seeing. What What does the world look like as we look outside our window? Mm, that's, um, Joey, that's a fantastic question. I think, you know, um, I think the church and church members, I mean, as being people, if you will, are trying to navigate the complexity. In some ways, I kind of think about it like you're, in some ways, like you're like a surfer and you're riding the waves, if, if you will. You know, and and uh, and and you got to figure out. Well, okay, you know, like you know, which is which is how do I see the wave, and 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 basically how should I be riding it, and therefore, you know, um, I'm trying to see if I can avoid having to spill out. You know, if, if you will, especially as you're trying to really orient yourself to what is my what is my role as a person, what is my role as a follower of Christ, what is my role as a part of this. So I think church leaders, if you will, and I say that word leader in the sense of a formal way, are trying to figure out. You know, how is it that we're supposed to show up in this particular time? I don't think, you know, Joey, other than, you know, like the, the, you know, the, the early church per se, I think these questions were also still there. You know, they're still there. It may have been that they were less imminent because the, the sense of geography seemed less. But I think these same challenges were always holding true. What is the place that we show up, you know, um, in this world? How do we live out? what it is that we understand as much as we can about what it is that, you know, what would Jesus do, you know, as these things unfold and where is the place that we believe that he would show up and how he would show up to represent what it is that we call Christianity, you know, you know, you know, God, if you will, heaven on earth. I think those are just the real things that continue to kind of go on. And I think, you know, that it's just, it's a continued challenge. And I also think it's a, the, the, the power can be, the sense of being able to be in renewal, you know, to, to kind of say, am I willing to kind of not be just frozen and stuck in whatever I think is what I have read? Because at, at my perspective is that we are all working through bias because if you know, to, to have a brain is bias, if you will. And I think that piece is a dimension that I think often church leaders like other people find themselves not acknowledging that this is my bias, and what is the implication of that uh, toward the way that I've been applying what I call scripture? Because you're looking at it through your own personal biased lens. That, I think that is the challenge of today. I think it's been the challenge, but I think it even becomes even more pressing, you know, uh, because, you know, the, the, the opportunities 
are presenting themselves, I think, fast and furious. So I don't know if I'm answering the way you're, you're thinking, but that's kind of what comes up for me, Joey. No, you're absolutely right. And along that line, when we say bias, what are some of those factors that go into the way that we interpret information? Because our news feeds are neutral to some degree, right? It's just information. And yet the way we process that is based on our, our backgrounds, our, our understanding. What are some of those things that go into making the bias? Yeah, do I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great point. I think one one I think there are there are a lot of things that go into it, and I would dare say from from my perspective, I don't think the news feeds are neutral. I, I think in many cases, you know, the the stuff that we find ourselves filtering through is less news and more views, hmm. and so we're we're kind of hearing the view of somebody else, in kind of even in terms of as the information gets skewed. And so, you know, what I'm saying this is part of Walter also on the learning journey. So I'm not excluding myself from being on the learning journey. Absolutely. You know, like I don't have any, you know, like lock on it. It's kind of like, hmm, Walter, where, you know, people are not chairs. We are, I mean, even chairs evolve, but people are not chairs. We, we can be evolving as we continue to grow. And because now we even know even more that the brain and neuroplasticity even tells us, guess what? Your brain continues, can, can continue to be shaped and mold and fix so all these things that we know more about ourselves should give rise to us being okay with acknowledging bias that we may have, understanding where it comes from. And if we're open, being willing to figure out how we best mitigate some of that bias. So let me say that in terms of an action orientation, in terms of where those things come from, Joey, it, it comes from a lot of different places. Um, you know, one piece winds up being, you know, the orientation of our, of our lives, bias in terms of the brain's efficiency, that the, that the brain looks at things and categorizes to innate because it, it is, a, is, is an efficiency machine and muscle. And so therefore saying, listen, in order to be able to be more efficient, I begin to categorize and do certain things. That becomes, you know, if you will, bias. I, I know how to, you know, run from this or don't run from this. If I see this. So survival has survival has made that categorization an important thing. However, having said that, you know, you know, when you think about it going further, those things can go from, oh, my goodness, survival, meaning anything I look at and I interpret a certain way, I begin to realize that my brain is saying certain things to me. That's one thing different than how I choose to respond to it. And I, and I think that's the other piece of the equation. Am I willing to say, yeah, well, I understand that that's my brain. You know, the way I'm, where I think I'm wired, it probably is the current wiring. It doesn't mean if I'm willing to slow down and think about it and say, hmm, is that really serving what it is that I believe I'm called to do? Whether it's Christianity or not, but is it really serving what I believe that I'm called to do? Otherwise, the, the bias that's going on that we think is for survival, something's going to come eat us, we begin to interpret everything through that lens. And, and that's always kind of going on, daily stuff, information, views, um, <clears throat> the way we were raised, the people we engage with. You know, it's just, we are just kind of bombarded, if you will, with a lot of different information that we need to filter through our internal lens. And as I said, the brain is a very much efficient thing. It begins to categorize for the sake of saving energy. However, in the process of doing that, you can really make a lot of human mistakes because you think 
you know, it's a way of being efficient when actually in some in, in most ways, it winds up being you either either being prejudiced or not taking action to fulfill what could really be the higher calling or what Christ is calling us to do. I, I'm included in that, Joey. I'm not, I'm saying it, so I'll be very clear. I am not excluded from what I'm saying. And to go back to something that you had said, it's how we respond to it. There, you know, meaning that when we see something, we can either react to it, and 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 that reaction has a, a spectrum of availability. You know, how we respond either well or either uh, you know not so great. And yet, there's another way that we can respond to information, which is to not respond to it or to resist it. Um, you know, to retract and to to warn others that, hey, maybe this isn't a good idea, things like that. So how do you decipher when this information is coming across your news feed, across your desk, so to speak, how do you know which one to use? When do you respond to it and when do you resist it, so to speak? Well, I, I would say one part, and I'm in this my own orientation, is that the 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 challenge with the notion of resist is that you're actually giving energy to that thing that you're trying to get away from. Hmm. So, so, so resistance takes probably more energy than in some ways kind of just acknowledging and allowing that voice to just be quiet. And I think, you know, so, so for some people I'm thinking about, you know, whether it's, um, you know, the work that people are doing around, you know, mental, mental fitness and, or even some of the churches around, you know, Joyce Myers, her battlefield of the mind and some of the other stuff coming out now was saying, listen, just acknowledge that, you know, um, capture the thought capture it, you know, capture it, acknowledge it that it's there. Re remember that sometimes some of those thoughts believe they were trying to serve a purpose for you. And maybe, Joey, at some point, that purpose really makes sense. However, when that purpose hijacks you, then you kind of say, you know, I'm not living out what it is, my best life. And I think biblically, I think, you know, you know, the, you know, I, and I say the Bible, those quieting times, those Prayers help me to be have discernment versus judgment. Help me to have discernment so that therefore I can begin to slow down before so my response really winds up being slow down, you know, to really, you know, whether it's prayer or whether it's meditation or whether it's breathing, slow down to allow myself the moment to not just react, but my response is to slow down. And again, I'm saying it contextually because I know if you're if you're being chased by a, a roaring lion tomorrow morning and it's chasing them all. I mean, there's a difference between kind of saying just sit there and be eaten up. Not there's a there's a difference, you know. However, in most cases, what we perceive to be the immediate threat doesn't really wind up being that. So we so we can't have an opportunity to discern and say, mm, there really isn't a boogeyman in those bushes. So what is it that I'm choosing to do? And that alignment is, what is it that I believe that God would have me do, if you will? How do I begin to kind of discern what that looks like in my life? So my, my, my opinion, my opinion, my, my perspective, my street corner, not in perfection is, you know, Lord, help me slow down. Help me slow down. Because everything might say, you know, react, 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 you know, and help me slow down and maybe even respond by slowing down, especially when I'm acknowledging that, you know, this is, this is really all filtered through a whole bunch of different biasy lenses, mine of which is a part of it. 
And so let's fast forward down that train of thought just a little bit. Uh, followers of Jesus recognize an issue. They recognize that they've that they've uh, slowed down about it, really processed this information, and now there's there's a call to action. They recognize that to live out their faith, uh, to to truly put motion behind belief, there needs to be some action. And yet, at least from my street corner, and I love that you said that word because I haven't heard it in such a long time, uh, from my street corner, a lot of followers of Jesus who feel that don't really know where to start. Um, and, and some of that is based on a, a church culture that doesn't really get involved with things beyond a Sunday morning. Um, when, when engaging with hurting people is not your MO, there's almost this, well, what do we do? attitude and leaders and, and church members can feel overwhelmed. Uh, what, what do we do with that emotion when there, when there is that desire to say, okay, I need to do something, but I don't know how. Mm. Yeah. You know, you know, I think it's a, it's a great, you know, question. And I think that the thing I think about, and again, it's not a, you know, the, the, it's not a kind of perfect. This is the answer. I think this piece of like, so, what is the emotion? I love your point. Like, hey, I'm feeling X. You know, like, let me acknowledge that I'm feeling it. You know, because that emotion for many of us is like putting the hot stand hands on the stove. It's the alert signal. It's an alert signal that something is off. And this is, I don't, you know, but I know something is off. And it's something that I'm trying to reconcile in terms of what I do with it. So what are the options that I might have? And I think in many times, the options we're thinking that is the church's option, whatever that looks like, is really us filtering through what do I think this particular church is gonna say about me if I behave in a fashion that in, within me, separated from my church piece, I believe is the right thing to do. Which means I think you you know there is some call to action and it's something like, well, okay, well, well in that case then, if I was playing the scenario, what are some of the variations of actions you're thinking about? You're thinking about, not what the church is telling you to think about, and I'm not saying that's a wrong thing, but what you're thinking about, you know, as a as a as a human being follower of Christ, you know, not connected to that thing called the structure, which as we know, you know, that that wasn't the way the early church was like all tied to like all these peoples and buildings because it just wasn't fixed like that. It was, you know, you as a follower of Christ and you know, this amorphous thing happening. However, the individual still connected is that power connection. What is it that you feel called to do? And what do you believe? And it might be any number of various options. So my encouragement for folks is to acknowledge that your choice has not been given up unless you gave it up. That your power doesn't have to be given away unless you decide to give it away. And sometimes people do give it away because that can feel safer. It can feel safer. So, and I'm not saying they have to act on what, they, what the options they lay out. They don't have to do that. However, first and foremost is to acknowledge, you know, you really probably have a bunch of different options that you might consider. Let's at least go down the path of you thinking about that before you find yourself thinking as if like, no, I, I'm just going to sit here and be at the point of effect. I don't have any choice. So, so I would say to you that whether it's church leadership, which I mean, everybody's a leader, but church members and say, okay, 
What is it that you think makes sense? And Joey, a, a, a good example is that, you know, like think about it, kind of say, well, if you saw your family member hurting, if you will, you know, in many different ways, your desire to go help could, could manifest in a lot of different ways. You would not necessarily feel, feel, feel bound by the conditions of the church, you know, uh, to, to, to not think about the options. You might feel constricted or bound by deciding which options you choose because you want to make sure you fit in. But that doesn't mean you wouldn't have thought about all the various options. And so my encouragement is don't give away the power of choice that, 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 that God so beautifully designed us to have. I hate commercials, especially before, during, or after something you're trying to listen to, like a podcast. They're always trying to get you to buy something you don't need or the product has nothing to do with what I'm listening to. I don't need a jet ski. Shows do that to make money. And we at Dismantle Podcast hate interrupting your listening experience. To keep this channel ad-free, you can support us on anchor.fm. A monthly support of any amount allows us to continue to deliver great content and conversations while not needing to sell you a jet ski. Visit anchor.fm slash dismantlepod to sign up for as little as a dollar a month. Yes, even a dollar helps. Keep your headphones jet ski free. Visit anchor.fm slash dismantlepod. So let me ask you this question. There's this idea that when we approach issues, we can separate them into two different camps. We can make them very human issues, or we can make them very theological issues. And when we when we put them into two different camps, they seem to have different levels of importance. Uh, can you speak to some of the, the designation that we give some issues over others and whether or not the importance factor goes up when we do that? Well, um, well, what I would, I would say is that, be, be, uh, you know, I am not, and because I am not a professed theologian, I, whatever that, I don't mean to be respectfully, I'm, I'm not, I'll speak about what I think is more common to everybody as human beings. That I, I think that, that, you know, if, if, I, if I think about through the lens of, again, of like, um, again, learning journey, I'm saying, okay, if the Good Samaritan was about theology, it would be a difference. I mean, it was if the Good Samaritan what, what, what showed up as being the right thing to do, using that carefully, was about the theology of like what was the, the day, then we'd say, well, okay, you know, that person as a human being suffering, the theology would say, well, yes, we think that was a good thing. And Christ comes along and says, no, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. I mean, what God's theology is, you know, you know, um, love God, love neighbor. That's the theology. You know, all the rest, all the rest of these things, as Michael Leslie would say so beautifully, can be kind of connected into these streams. Love God, love neighbor. The rest of this other stuff is people's manifestations of the rest of the other stuff. And I'm not here to, to, to make judgments or, or condemnations. I am saying no. You know, it's like, it's like in many, and so on me, I'm sitting there saying like, you know, Walter, that piece really stands out. What is it to love thy neighbor? If you were laying by the roadside, would you really be worried about, you know, the theology other than love thy neighbor? My answer would be no. So I think in so my street corner, I think I, 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 I acknowledge that people put lenses 
the, the, the lens, the bias lens around theology, it can come into play and say, so what does that mean? How are we interpreting that? And how are we deciding to use that as it pertains to, you know, um, love thy neighbor? How, how are we deciding to do that? And so I think those are great questions with no simple answer. What I would say, though, is that as part of it is, though, if you're laying in the street, you're laying there and you're suffering, then the fact of the matter is you're hoping the theology the person applies to you is help thy neighbor. That's what you're hoping at that point. The rest of this other stuff in terms of like how many bells and whistles and so forth and so on. And do you, it, 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 is, it, is, it does not become present. And so the humanness of that, in my mind, I think trumps the rest because I think everything else winds up being an attraction, not distraction, an attraction for some other reason. And those other reasons could be, you know, I don't like this, I don't believe in this, you know, my family wasn't about that, it's counter to so forth. All these other things that are sitting in there that in many ways explains a lot of the issues that we find ourselves working through through all the human history and still, in, in, um, still even for right now. It's like kind of working through, but at the end of the day, Fundamentally, I, I come back to and say, and I'm, I don't have it figured out, but I am saying, okay, Walter, you know, love God, love your neighbor, love God, love your neighbor. Hmm. What does it mean, Walter, to love your neighbor like yourself? Well, boy, if I was laying in that road, I know what loving me would look like for me. Taking that a step further, you know, laying in the road, hoping the Good Samaritan walks around is not just a, hey, I got beat up by some robbers, but it's, it's uh, let's take it a step further and say, this is where people's suffering are. Mm. This is where people's struggle is. And if we want to conceptualize that a little bit, uh, it's issues of racism and socioeconomic inequality, sexual identity issues, politics, like you name it. That's where people are in the ditch, so to speak. Yeah. And my personal opinion based on my experience, is that sometimes the church will look at issues like that and just sort of dismiss them as, well, it's just the problem of sin, and when Jesus comes back, all will be right, and and he'll fix everything. But that, to me, seems very distant and out of touch. How, do we, av- how do we avoid putting all the, the, the solution on Jesus' return and actually become that good Samaritan? Well, yeah, Joy, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great point in terms of, like, like, um, like acknowledging and saying it does seem to, and, and by the way, it's not a universal always, but it's kind of like, it does seem to be that this does happen, right? Yeah. It does see, and so it be, it, some of it winds up being, okay, let me not, for me, before, even though my, my emotion may be to like, I'm just mad about it and say, you know, I, I need to first try to seek to understand. I need to better understand when you're applying that lens and choice, What's going on behind that? My experience has been that, that that discernment and selection is not universal. That 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 there's some topics that will be, no, we ain't waiting for when Jesus comes back. We're going to do something about it. And if you look at the church just in general, we know that to be true. There's a lot of things the church has kind of said, we ain't waiting for Jesus. So, so there is something going on that says, well, on this one, we're going to wait. But on that one, we're not. That's a powerful piece of like us trying to understand where is the, the where is the the selection thing playing itself out and why is that? 
I mean, I, and I'm saying that in the sense of trying to, before I get to like my anger around it, which I can't have anger about it, is saying, you know, Walter, can you seek to understand first before you really make some other discernment around it? Like, why might, why might the church say, listen, this topic of abortion, boy, that's really a big deal. However, you know, and, and you know, from my perspective as, a, as an African-American, like, you know, what's going on with African-American men and the police force and so forth and so on. I mean, it's in the broad sense, well, when, the, when, when, when Jesus comes back, and I'm saying, you know, I'm trying to reconcile the, the selection process, the, the discerning process, the bias process that's going on that has you filter these things differently. When, when hurt is hurt, I'm just, I'm just saying hurt is hurt. So there's a universalism of saying, well, so the good Samaritan in one case is, you know, the, you know, the, the set of people saying, listen, we feel disadvantaged and so forth and so on. Okay. When Jesus come back, it all gets solved. The people over here around abortion, they're being hurt too. However, we're going to go take a serious action and move on that. I think that is, in my opinion, for the church and all of us, and I, as we kind of live our journeys, and I think it's not just the churches, but I do think it's a, like, hmm, you know, what's going on with me around that? I think it takes a high level of self-awareness and a willingness to lean into, you know, we all got our stuff. My stuff manifests itself in times when I'm okay with this, but not with that. I'm okay with this, but not with that. Now, if I were applying it through the lens of the Good Samaritan, Jesus didn't basically make it such that that person had to have only this to be conditions for what love looked like. I, and so, Joey, that's kind of my sense of it. I'm saying this as a, as, a, as a person on the journey as well, because my bias plays out in all kinds of places. I'm saying, well, okay, Walter, slow down. Slow down. Breathe about it a bit. Learn more about who you are as you peel the onion back to understand who is your who and whoville and, and, and why that's manifesting itself. And if you believe, if you're choosing to be different, recognizing the journey may be difficult, to be different, then first start with acknowledging that this is a blind spot that you're operating in. That you just, I just know it. I didn't say, you know, like I'm happy with it and so forth and so on, like, hmm. That's a blind spot for me. And I'm making some discernments that says it's okay for some to suffer, but some don't. And then I'll wait for Jesus to come back. And I don't read anywhere in scripture. I'm not a theologian that says Jesus said, just wait till I come back. I, I, maybe it's there, Joey. I'm not an expert in the Bible, but I don't see anywhere that says, wait till I come back. He's not offloading his work until, uh, you know, it's, it's not piling up so he can check his email. I, well, I mean, again, you know, it, it, you know, I'm not a theologian in that regard, I'm not an expert in the Bible. However, in the simplicity of what I'm getting as I kind of go along this journey is saying, I have never heard someone say, wait till uh, Jesus said, wait till I come back. I just have not found it in that regard. I found a lot of other things that says love your neighbor, so forth and so on. Seek to and you just seek, seek, not in perfection. You're going to fall down, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. And if and if 
if the, the model is the ultimate sacrifice, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm there, if the model is the ultimate sacrifice to die for someone else, I'm saying, wow, Walter, what does that look like in the practicality of your life? I, Joey, I don't have, I, I know there's something there. And I think that's the reflection, the continued reflection for all of us. Like, hmm, and not that you gotta go die or, you know, it's just, but I do think there's manifestations of like, well, you know, that person's hurting. This is another issue. You know, what am I filtering it through? How am I interpreting the Bible in such a way that sometimes it winds up being self-serving and recognizing that people in power and authority have interpreted, you know, what was intended to be good in a way that was actually harmful. We know that. We know that. And we're not willing to allow ourselves to learn about the misuse of the good thing then it again, there's a selective choice we're making for some reason, which is not a way that we're going to learn. I mean, there is some power in the learning that occurs through the lenses of the mistakes that we've made and others may have made as well. Yeah. And everything that we've discussed thus far, uh, including the awareness factor, just being uh, proactive and, and starting with ourselves, that's very self-reflective and, and it does need to start there. If we were to take the next step and say, okay, this is how the church, maybe the big C church, but also the place that we gather, the people that we're in community with, this is how the church gets their hands dirty with this work. What's a first step? Because I've, I, I, I struggle to find a church website that isn't filled with activities. Uh, there doesn't seem, and, and that's not to say the activities aren't good, um, but there are a lot more structures in place around gathering than there seems to be about going to do. And so if there was going to be a first step, what, do you, what would you recommend for the institution of the church to become a little bit more hands-on with this? Mm, okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. So, so I don't have a, I, I, I don't think it's one size fits all, but I do think one piece of the starting place because churches are organizations and the church organizations. And so therefore they have right now structured hierarchies. I think that first piece of reflection, which is so an important point is around those designated as church official leaders. I think that's an important kind of reflection place because recognize that that in an environment it's not as if like it's a it's a um, a, uh, a very smooth straight line. And so my sense is like an organization is going to change and transitions, especially what's going on right now. People are building and flying at, at the same time. So I understand that getting people back together is an important thing. What you come back together and talk about is the next thing. Getting people together, be, I get it. I mean, getting people together is an important thing. What you decide to come back and talk about is the next thing. Now, it may be for some people, they're, them coming back together may be predicated on what it is you're going to talk about. Right. Because people have had a chance to also reflect, you know, and somebody's going to say, you know, Lord, what might be, and believe me, I'm not telling this if I wanted somebody to die or somebody, but if we said, Lord, what might be, the gift and opportunity that it is that you, that, that could be manifested from COVID. What might be? Hmm. 
hmm, there could be some other pieces that unfreeze the system in a way that we never could. Oh my goodness, you mean the, the, the disparities that exist, even in, even in the US, the disparities that exist around healthcare and stuff like that and those things, we, they were always there. Oh my goodness, this thing brought a highlight to it in a way, in a, in a, in a way that we might not all, in a large way, have ever really chosen to look at then what might be the opportunity the church leadership chooses to do with that? And that's why that piece always comes out. So I think, and, and I'm not I'm saying, so that's an important thing. Well, you know, you can come back and say, you know, it's like the George Floyd's murder. There's a lot of ways people could, could decide to kind of come back and talk about that. They could, could do that. So I, so I think the church leadership, and I know it's very individualistic in some ways, is like, okay, you know, if then you're choosing to look at this as an opportunity to maybe put something out in the church, the church dialogue in a way that even if you felt like you wanted to kind of push it, but you didn't, if you were fearful, then it's possible that what's went, went on has enabled you to really jump onto that wagon and ride it till the wheels fall off because it's bigger than you. And it might be suggesting something about the opportunity to be the good Samaritan in a way that you felt like you couldn't unfreeze your system. It felt like you were pushing a boulder uphill. Well, it might be that, I, I get it. I'm saying I'm from a change, from a pure change management, change leadership joint. I get it. Churches are organizations and system. And as such, many ways, they love to live around homeostasis. You know, why change if you ain't got to change and so forth and so on. And yet there's sometimes when burning platforms get presented to you. However, that doesn't mean you decide to take advantage of the burning platform. That's a function, I think, of reflective leadership in the church body as it is in any other organization. That's what I, I think. So it's not a judgment or condemnation, just saying, I think there's an opportunity that exists. If so, if, if leadership chooses in that system to lean into it. Find then some members in the congregation, many of which you are there, who've been longing for that dialogue to manifest in that way, but have also felt like they were kind of in the, you know, in the, in the back row and might come along and be part of your guiding coalition to help move the needle in places that you don't gotta be at. So let me just stop there because I'm filtering through my own change management experience in organizations and things of that sort. And you'll, you'll tell me whether or not I'm just getting too far afield. So please. No, no, no. You're, you're right on, you're right on point. And I think that's an interesting concept that if we don't have to change, why would we? And yet the world around us seems to be needing more change than ever. The world around absolutely it's changing and the world's always been changing. It's right. It's like, okay, the world. And so, well, so, so, when Jesus comes back can be my response to what's going on out there, right? I mean, when Jesus comes back, I tell you what, we'll just kind of keep neat in here. And, and I, I mean, I'm, so I'm, I'm understanding. It's like, in some ways, kind of say, Walter, isn't that someone like you want to say, Let, I better stay in the house and not go outside? I say, yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's that same fearful feeling. I get it. So I'm trying to connect with it through empathy. You know, seek to understand as opposed to kind of saying well, you must be wrong. So I'm not going through judgment and condemnation. I'm kind of saying, you know, Lord, help me to have empathy, understand to be to be a, a fascinated anthropologist, and therefore 
seek discovery. Tell me more about why you're thinking that way. Because I don't know. Tell me more about that. And I, can, I, I, don't, I don't have to agree, but seeking to understand can be a powerful way of slowing things down so you can kind of figure out, hmm, yep, it makes sense. I don't have to agree with it, but it does make sense why you would think that way. Now, if we're trying to change it to something different, then that might mean, hmm, what might be common levers that we can kind of begin to coalesce around that sometimes can be greater than some of the things that we often find ourselves becoming silos, the common good and shared success. But that's just, that's, that's work. And, and that work in my mind can't just be my, my opinion. Oh, well, we all love Jesus. Absolutely. I get that. Sure. Having said that though, if we all love Jesus and you tell somebody who's heard in the street again, then we all love Jesus. They're going to say, okay, so what you really mean is that you, you know, you, what I should do is care how much you know versus how much you really care. And they might say, that's your theology getting in the way of your humanity. Right. And people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. At the core of it, at the core of it. That's it. I, I, I mean, when you're, when you're in the street bleeding, now they do care how much you know in regards to like, do you know how to help me? But at the beginning, right. in the beginning, they're all saying, I'm just pleased someone's coming along trying to help me. Walter, this has been a great conversation. And, and even though we've just scratched the surface, we're, we're out of time for today. But uh, give us a little bit about uh, where people can connect with you online. If they're interested in some of the work that you do, how can they find you? Well, thank you, Joy. Thank you again. And I, and I, I, you know, and you see, I have a lot of passion and that's why you do, you kind of set me off on the, on the path to do that. So thank you for allowing me to share my thoughts. And again, all these thoughts are, you know, nothing that is fixed or whatever. And I praise God and the Holy Spirit for whatever insight and wisdom he helps me to kind of work through as I'm on my journey. So yeah, they can find me in terms of, uh, you know, Walter, Walter, Walter Slade Jr. at gmail.com. You know, if you will, if you want to reach out to, to me and just either talk about these thoughts and or if you happen to be interested in having some coaching, if you will, for some different kind of kinds of things, be more than happy to have some dialogue with you uh, around around that. Um, I, I certainly, you know, you know, don't try to preach to people, even though I may have sound like it on this call, but I, that's not where I'm kind of coming from as a coach. I am much more interested in understanding what it is you're trying to achieve and coming alongside you as a thinking partner, if you will, to help you sort through some of the best ways that you go achieve what it is that, you know, what it is you're being called to do, whether you are, you know, Christian and or, and, and or not. And there's different kind of methodologies and, and approaches that I, can use with people. And that first conversation is really just us connecting to see if there's something more in some other place that maybe we can go. Cause maybe the answer is we're not meant to be on that particular journey and that's okay. That's great stuff, Walter. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank you, my brother. Blessings to you. That wraps up today's episode of Dismantle Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. You can connect with us on all the socials at Dismantle Pod. You can shoot us an email at dismantlepod at gmail.com, or you can support the work of the show in two different ways. You can join us on patreon.com slash dismantlepod, where you can get access to behind-the-scenes episodes, upcoming content, and more. Or you can visit us at anchor.fm slash dismantlepod, and any monthly amount helps us continue the work that we're doing here. As always, until next time, don't complain about the things you're not willing to change. 